Well, amen. You guys got a Bible with you? Say yes. And uh, Romans chapter 3 is where we find ourselves. Now, if you're here and you're saying, well, I thought we were going through Ephesians. Well, we are, but we're going to take a quick little break from the book of Ephesians. We'll dive back in in the month of August. But for the remainder of this particular month, we're going to be in a series of messages we're calling Maximizing Moments. Maximizing Moments. As a matter of fact, uh, just, just so everybody's aware, I mean, I'm pumped to be back, but I do want to say thank you to those who filled the pulpit while I was gone, right? So we had Bucky Kennedy. We also had Pastor Brandon Roney preach last Sunday. Y'all enjoy them. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them. And uh, good stuff. I think Bucky's in here somewhere. There he is right there. All right, but anyway, uh, Brandon did a much better job than Bucky from what I understand. I was told. I'm just kidding. Anyway, he's here. That's why I said that. All right, Romans chapter 3 in your Bibles, maximizing moments, which by the way, whenever you hear that phrase, what kind of comes to your mind, right? Because there are some moments in your life that you're pretty fired up that you maximized, and then there are some moments in your life that you wish you would not have maximized. Amen? And uh, I remember the very first time I saw my wife. It was at Shorter College. We were in a little Bible study. It was kind of like an FCA setting, and I saw her, and I'm like, I'm fixing to maximize this moment. Y'all with me? So I look at her. She looks at me. I saw her she saw me seeing her and then I saw her seeing me and I'm like what's up homegirl and then I threw it up like this I like let's get married let's have four kids let's live life booyah and then she said yes I will it's because I'm Rico Suave you know what I'm saying that's how we roll from my house but anyway it wasn't that quick but I did I'm glad I maximized that moment but then there's some times in my life I wish I would not have maximized and I'm not going to share any of those with you right now all right but Romans chapter 3 in our Bibles, we're going to focus our attention this morning on the awesome doctrine of salvation called justification. We're going to talk about how to maximize moments in our lives where we share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who don't know him. And uh, pretty fired up to be able to share this with you this morning. So stand with me in honor of God's word. Romans 3, we'll look at verse 23 all the way through 26. Y'all got it there? Say yes. And uh, y'all got to talk to me during the sermon now. It helps me out. Y'all got to say yes. All right, there we go. Verse uh, 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Uh, this was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And Father, we're so grateful for your divine word. And God, when we open it up, it's you speaking to us. So Lord, we want to listen. We want to obey. We want to be washed clean. So do a work this morning through uh, the preaching of your word. And then God, bottom line is, um, Lord, we, we've got to learn to maximize the moments you give us to be a gospel witness to share Jesus. So help us to do that faithfully, to introduce other people to Christ. And uh, Lord, show us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that this is a call for every single one of us. And uh, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. Thankful for last service. And I'm uh, you know, just going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this service. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning, if you will. Now, let me just kind of kick it off like this. And we've got this uh, particular phrase up here on the screen. But look at it with me. Uh, the moment you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you joined a worldwide missions organization. So, so think about this. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, and come on now, the time that you really trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you said, I want to become a follower of Christ. On that day, you left the kingdom of darkness, you came into the kingdom of light. 
You left a life of no purpose and you entered into a life where God gives you purpose. He makes you a part of his great missionary movement. You see, God is in the process of calling people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And the scripture says that he's actually using the New Testament church. He's using you and I to be a part of that. Matter of fact, I want you to think about what the Bible describes you as. This is pretty cool. Did you know Jesus describes you as a fisher of men? So Jesus says, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. What does that mean? That means as you follow Jesus, Jesus is actually going to use you to invite other people into a relationship with God. So you're a fisher of men. That's how the Bible describes you. Jesus calls us that. But then Paul the Apostle in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, describes you and I as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So think about that for a moment. You are an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who speaks on behalf of one country to another country. But as an ambassador for Christ, the Bible teaches that you and I actually speak on behalf of Jesus to those who are not in the kingdom of light. So we speak on behalf of Jesus to those who do not know him. Again, that's an awesome privilege. You're a fisher of men, you're an ambassador for Christ. The moment you came to faith in Jesus, and you don't wanna miss this because Jesus wants you to know this. The moment you came to faith in Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, and the Spirit of God now empowers you to be a witness. That's in Acts chapter 1. You're a witness for Christ's sake. So that is, you witness to what Jesus has done in your life, and you testify or share or tell others how Jesus can work in their life. So those are three descriptions of your life as a follower of Jesus. And Jesus wants you to have a hold of this. That you're a fisher of men, you're an ambassador for Christ, and you are a witness. Matter of fact, when you think about just those three descriptions, you know what they are? They are synonymous with the fact that you are a missionary for Jesus. Now, everybody come in here. Y'all listen and say amen? Because I don't want you to miss this fact right here, all right? When you came to faith in Jesus, you joined a missionary movement and God made you a missionary. All three of those terms, a witness, an ambassador, a fisher of men, those are all synonyms for being a missionary. And I remember growing up, right, in church, and I used to listen to missionaries. We'd have them kind of come into our church and talk. And I remember thinking, man, these people are crazy, right? They left everything. They went overseas to Africa. They went to Cambodia or wherever they went. And they were coming back to share with us how they were a part of the mission. They were sharing the gospel in those areas. But you know, the reality is, when I study my New Testament, what I discover is that we don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. You can go across the street and be a missionary. You can go to that person who works right next to you and be a missionary. In fact, I'm convinced that's what God wants you to be. I'm convinced that Jesus wants you to be a part of this great mission of making disciples everywhere. And if you're going to be a part of that mission, you've got to learn and you've got to be ready to share with others who Jesus Christ is. You've got to be ready to invite people into a personal relationship with the Lord. In fact, I'm just crazy enough to believe something. Y'all with me say yes? Just crazy enough to believe that if God saved you and if he brought you into this great missions movement and made you a missionary, that God is also going to give you opportunities to share Jesus with others. The thing that I'm realizing is that all of us have opportunities. The question is whether or not we're actually being intentional about maximizing those opportunities. 
Now, the interesting thing on vacation, while I was kind of hanging out around a pool, I ran into a guy that I'd, I'd not met before, and so he kind of struck up a conversation with me. I with him. We were kind of chatting it up a little bit, and before I know it, you know, he asked me what I do for a living, which I can't stand that question. Y'all with me? Because I don't want to tell him I'm a pastor. Amen? Because as soon as I do, they look at me like I got three heads. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, I just said I serve on a church, you know, in uh, Claremont, Georgia, and kind of interesting conversation. But anyway, so I get through that whole thing. He leaves. It's all over with. And then the Lord's like, uh, you just missed it. And I, you know, this isn't some audible voice, by the way. You with me? Say amen. But it's like, you just missed it. I'm like, what? what, what I just, just missed an opportunity to share the gospel. And they said that crazy. So here it is. I'm on vacation. Give me a break. <laughs> right? I'm on vacation. But here's an opportunity that God put right in front of me, and I was totally oblivious to it, totally. And I'm preaching on maximizing moments. Good night. I need to learn to practice what I preach. Amen? But you know what the reality is? I'm confident that if you were to really get serious about looking back just at this past week, there were some moments in your life that you didn't maximize for Jesus' sake. Some moments that you missed. And sometimes the reason that you don't see them, just like myself, is because we are not thinking like a missionary. And we are not living like missionaries who are Sent, But every single one of us who are followers of Jesus, Jesus like, you're a fisher of men. Paul says, you're an ambassador for Christ. New Testament says, you're a witness. You are a missionary. So we have to live in this particular manner. So what I want to do throughout this message uh, series really is give you some encouragement. Some encouragement. I want you to think about this before I even give you the elements of this particular series. I want you to think about God for a second. Y'all with me say yes? All right, so God is invisible. Nobody can see him. The Bible says he's spirit. So nobody sees God. So how does God reveal himself to the world? Well, God chose to reveal himself to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus came. You know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Tabernacled here. So it's like if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh living among us. But the Bible says Jesus lived this perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised again. Then he ascended into the heavens. And there he sits now at the right hand of God the Father. Can I say this to you this morning? Jesus today is invisible. So how does Jesus reveal himself to the world? Y'all with me saying? Yeah? Because this is getting slick. God who is invisible, the Father, he revealed himself through Jesus. Jesus now who is invisible, he reveals himself through us. Through the church. That's why we're called the body of Jesus Christ. Our community sees Jesus or does not see Jesus based upon how we live our lives. So this calling is for you and I, every single one of us, to maximize these moments. That's why I want to give you three major elements to the entire series. The first element, we're just going to call it a gospel tour. All right, I'm going to take you on a gospel tour. The gospel is the good news. The gospel... If you can think about it like this, it's a city, all right? There's a city. And there are four major streets that I want to carry you down, four major doctrines that I want you to see of the gospel. I think that as you grab hold of these doctrines, they will encourage you uh, to share the good news of Christ. So we're going to hop on the bus even this morning. We're going to cruise through the gospel city. We're going to stop at Justification Junction. Next Sunday, we're going to stop at Adoption Avenue. The following Sunday, we're going to stop at Sanctification Street. 
And then the last Sunday that we have together in this series, we're going to stop at glorification gateway. I'm going to show you these doctrines. And hopefully by God's grace, he's going to encourage you with these doctrines. And as you grab hold of them, you'll be even more motivated to share Jesus. Here's what I'm convinced of. If you don't really fall in love with Jesus, you won't ever talk about him. Matter of fact, the reason some of you don't talk about him now is because you don't really love him. Are y'all, was y'all out there? That was strong, wasn't it? Good. So we're going to go on a tour together. That's what we're going to do. Second thing that we're going to do together is we're going to have a gospel skill. I'm going to share with you this morning how to share Jesus very simply using one verse of Scripture. The third thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a gospel challenge. This gospel challenge is actually going to happen in your community group. So as you meet on Sunday evenings in homes, you're going to be challenged to do a few things. And if you're not in a community group, let me encourage you, before you leave, right out here in the foyer at our desk, you can sign up and get involved in one. There are homes that want you to come to them tonight. It's going to be an awesome time. You're going to be challenged to uh, pray for those who don't know the Lord. You're going to be challenged to create points of meaningful contact with other individuals. And then you're going to be given the ability to use questions to get into a gospel conversation with somebody else. So it's going to be an awesome time. Make sure that you're a part of that. All right? Y'all with me? Say yes. All right. So today we're on a gospel tour. First thing that we're going to do is we're going to stop at justification Junction. We're going to talk about that great doctrine of justification. We see it there in Romans chapter 3. And before we even look at the verses, let me just ask, what is justification? I mean, what is it? Well, it's a judicial term. It's a term used to describe what happens when a judge declares someone to be innocent. So they justify that individual who's on trial. But whenever you take that same term and you kind of baptize it and put it into the theological uh, realm, what you find here is that God is the judge of the universe. And God is the one who justifies individuals. So God actually declares people to be righteous. And I'll say it to you like this. God clears you of guilt and God considers you to be righteous. Those are the two major things that occur through justification. You're cleared of guilt and you are considered righteous. It's a phenomenal concept. Matter of fact, I uh, kind of need you to walk with me on this one. Y'all with me say yes? That's a question. Y'all with me say yes? All right, good deal. I want you to see this. Imagine with me for just a moment that you're uh, going to a courtroom. You've got a judge who sits behind this huge desk. He's got a massive black gown on. He's overseeing this particular trial. And the individual who's there who is on trial, he is accused of uh, stealing from his company. All right, so here he is. That's the alleged uh, problem in his life and he's standing there and then there's a prosecutor who is prepared to mound up all the evidence concerning this guy's scandal of stealing from the company. So as he begins to stand up and really put all the evidence, you're there and I'm there just hanging out watching the whole scene play out. And then we listen and what we hear together is a phenomenal reality of this man's guilt. In fact, what occurs is, first of all, they pull this huge television out. They put it in front of everybody, and they say, look, I want to play for you the times when this guy was actually caught stealing from the cash register. So that's what they do. They press the play button, and you see it. The guy's there. He's hanging out at the cash register. He rings somebody up, and then he takes some cash, and he puts it in his pocket like nobody sees it. So he does it, and they play it not only once, but they're like, this was this particular day when it happened. This was this particular day when it happens. They showed it multiple, multiple times. 
And then the second thing that occurs is you and I are kind of sitting there listening to this, and we're thinking to ourselves, this guy is in deep trouble, man. I mean, there he is. He's right there on television. He's right there. He's on trial. It's obvious this is the guy. But then they say, we've also got a tape recording of this guy confessing that he was stealing. And so that's what happened. They sent an undercover guy in there on one occasion. He was wired up. He sat down in the break room, carried on a little conversation with him. And out of that conversation, the guy actually admits so he says, listen to this. He says, man, I've been stealing from this company for several years. So he's got it. So they, they play that and we listen to it. So we saw it with our eyes. We heard it with our ears. And it is clear that this man is guilty. In fact, we even say it like this. He was guilty as sin, right? Guilty as sin. Now imagine. 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 It's a new word I just made up. Anyway, so... Uh, Imagine that the judge just kind of hits the gavel, gets everybody's attention and says, well, I just want to call this to close. I, I, I just, I just want to close this. Here's what I want to do today. He looks at the guy who's accused of stealing all this money, who deserves to go to jail. And he says to him, today, here's what I want to do. I want to declare you to be absolutely innocent. You're free to go, sir. Now, if you and I were sitting in that courtroom, what are we doing? We're going nuts. It's like, this is clearly a guilty guy. We've got him on television. We've heard his own words. How can you let this guy go? You know what we would end up doing? We would end up creating this rally to try to unseat that judge. That judge isn't just. That judge isn't doing what the law actually says to do. Now, y'all with me? Come here. God looks at people and says, I'm declaring you righteous. Wiping away your guilt, considering you to be righteous. How is it that when God does it, people aren't hollering, going, that isn't just? You can't just let people off the hook. I mean, they're guilty of sin. Because isn't it true, you and I are just like that guy on trial? Could you imagine if somebody had a television recording of your life or my life, and they played it in church, and you had an opportunity to see all of the areas where you were guilty? All the times that you committed sin? Could you imagine if we played a tape recorder up here and actually heard everything that you've ever said that was contrary to God's word? So we're sitting and we're listening to that and we're all paying attention. We will be like, that person is guilty of sin. But then God's like, oh, you're free to go. We say, wait, why, why aren't people saying, wait a minute, God. You can't just do that. Because just like the judge in our regular system, we would say, he's not just. Why aren't people saying God isn't just? Pretty decent question, don't you think? All right, I do. All right, so Romans chapter 3 in your Bibles here, look at verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does this mean? This means that everybody sinned. All is a Greek word that means all. Everybody. We like to say it like this, everybody. Who sinned? Now let's do this again. Everybody. Who sinned? Yeah, everybody has. Now what Paul's doing here, y'all hear me on that? What Paul's doing here is he's trying to say, look, Jews and, and non-Jews are all guilty before God. So whether you grew up with the law of God, his Ten Commandments, or you didn't grow up with the law of God, regardless, you're a sinner. You've fallen short of the glory of God. And that literally means the perfect standard of God. Now, what's that standard? Well, it's the law. 
The Bible says in the book of Psalm that the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. So whenever you look at the law, two things should happen in your life. First of all, you're overwhelmed by the perfection of God. The law reflects the nature of God. The law is perfect. God is perfect. God is holy. So when you really look at God's law, what you see is the perfection and holiness of the Lord. But at the same time, what you see is your imperfection. You see where you have failed miserably, where you have fallen short of the glory of God. And every single one of us have done this. In fact, I would say to you this morning that when you really look at the law right, it's not that you just see in it the fact that you have broken it. But whenever you look at the law of God right, you see the fact that it actually breaks you. It humbles you because you get a depiction of who you are. You've not led up to the standards of God. And I would say to you at the same time, uh, we not only mess up on the standards of God, we don't even fulfill our own standards. We fail our own standards. Now think about it. How many times have you said, I'm never going to do that again? And then you did it again. See, we don't live up to our own standards, much less the standards of God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But verse 24 is an awesome verse. It says, but being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So here Paul notes that we are justified as a gift by the grace of God. Now remember, to be justified means to be cleared of guilt, considered righteous. So we could say we are cleared of guilt, we are considered righteous as a gift by the grace of God. Now, when you think about a gift, at least two things should come to mind. First of all, a gift is something that is freely given. Garrison, our oldest son, has a birthday this week. We've got a gift for him. When we give him the gift, we're not saying, Garrison, make sure you try to earn this gift this week. Make sure you work really, really hard so that you can grab hold of this gift. That's not the case. We don't do that at all. Why? Because a gift is not earned. If you had to earn it, then that's a payment, not a gift. But at the same time, a gift that we're going to give to Garrison... Somebody had to buy that thing. Are y'all listening? So who had to buy it? Well, I did. So I went down to Walmart. I'm the one that got the thing. We really did it on Amazon. But we purchased the gift, and we're going to give it to him. Justification is a gift that you don't earn. It is given to you as a gift. But here's the thing. That gift, although free to you, was not cheap. It had to be purchased. Somebody had to buy the gift. You can't just go and start giving away justification without paying for it, or you will not be just. So how, how was it paid for? Who paid for it? Well, the Bible says God paid for it. Matter of fact, you can see it very clearly here in verse 25. The Bible says, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood, talking about Jesus, through faith. What is this verse saying? Here's what the verse is saying. It's saying that God paid for your justification, and he did so publicly through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus died publicly on the cross to pay for your sin debt, to pay for your guilt. So Jesus died in your place, and God's like, I so want you to see this. I'm going to put this up publicly for everybody to view as my son, Jesus, hangs on the cross. There is your payment right there. And the Bible says it's a picture of propitiation, which, by the way, big word, propitiation, it just means to appease the law of God. See, the law of God is after you and me. The law of God doesn't provide righteousness. It points out our unrighteousness. And the law of God shows us our guilt. And the law of God, listen to the preacher, it demands death and hell for sin. 
The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, the soul that sins will surely die. All of us deserve death and hell. That's what we deserve. And yet God, in his grace, offered you a gift, offered me a gift of justification, declaring us innocent, considering us righteous because he paid for that gift through his son. See, the reason that God can consider me not guilty is because over 2,000 years ago, he considered his son guilty of my sin. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And check this out, verse 26, I love it. The Bible says, the demonstration I say of his righteousness at the present time, notice this, so that he would be just, that is who, who's just? God's just, and be the justifier of the one who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's how God can declare anyone to be innocent. That's how he can clear somebody of guilt and consider them righteous. Not because they've earned it, not because he gave the gift without paying for it. No, no, no. He is just in doing this because the penalty of our sin, which was death, was paid for by Jesus. And this gift now has been given to revolutionize our lives. You know, I was working on this particular message and was reminded of an illustration that I heard not long ago by Erwin Lutzer. So I, I stole the illustration. Y'all with me on that? I'm guilty. <laughs> I want you to imagine for just a second that this uh, notebook is a notebook of my life. So it says the story of Levi Skipper on the outside of it. And on the inside of it has a list of all my sins. Good night. Every sin I've ever committed. Uh, in word, every word I've ever said that I shouldn't have said. Every thought that I've had that I shouldn't have thought. It was contrary to God's word. Every action that I've ever committed. Good night. All of this is listed in here. And uh, could you imagine if this was a book of my life? You know what I would do with the book? I'd hide it from you. I'd be like, no, 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 man. You can't look at it. I would lock this thing up. I would be so ashamed of this book. But you know what happened to me? Several years ago, I'm listening to somebody share the good news of Jesus. That Jesus publicly died on the cross for my sin. That he was buried and raised again. And I heard this message, and then I was challenged to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus. And that's what I did. So I trusted in Jesus Christ. So based upon the scripture, you know what God did in my life whenever I trusted in him? He did this. He reached in here. He grabbed all my sin. And the Bible says he threw it into a sea of forgetfulness. I mean, come on, somebody. I'm preaching up here. That's good stuff, isn't it? He, he, he cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. So now whenever God looks at my book, he doesn't see any sin. Now that's a good, that's pretty good. That's a justification. I've been cleared of my guilt. But that's not all that happened the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Because the Bible also teaches us that um, Jesus lived a righteous life. Can we pretend this is his book? And inside his book is everything that he's ever done. Everything he's ever said, everything he's ever thought, everything he's ever accomplished all of it and the bible says he was tempted in all ways as we are yet he's without sin this is perfect righteousness man when i gave my heart to the lord jesus christ he took my sin out he took the righteousnesses of of his own son and the bible says that he put them right inside my book god made jesus who knew no righteousness or God made him, rather, who knew no sin, to be sin on my behalf so that I might become the righteousness 
of God in Christ. So whenever I die and stand before God and he looks at my life, what is he going to see? Is he going to see my sin? So when I, when I ask a question, you answer it out loud. So when I die and stand before God, is he going to see my sin? No, he's, he's dealt with that. When he looks at my life, he's going to see the perfect righteousness of Christ. That is a gift. You don't earn this. Now check this out. When I really understand justification, two things are true about my life. First of all, I'll never brag on myself. I can't. Somebody says, Levi, how do you know you're going to go to heaven whenever you die? I'm not going to sit back and start trying to explain to them all the good that I've done in my life. Why would I do that? I didn't earn this gift. So what do I do? I brag on Jesus. Second thing that's true about my life is I realize I could never save myself. I am a sinner. Guilty before God. It's like there's a recording of my sin. So I don't think I can save myself. I've been declared righteous. I've been forgiven. What a gift, man. Now, here's the amazing thing. Whenever I have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, and I begin to ask them maybe a simple question like this, hey, man, if you were to die today, do you think you'd go to heaven? They'd be like, yes, I do. You know what I've discovered? About 99.9% .9 of all people I've ever talked to believe they're going to heaven. 99.9. And then I say, well, how, how are you so confident you're going to heaven? So, well, listen, listen, I know I'm not a perfect person, but I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I'd give the shirt off of my back for people. I take care of people. If somebody's in need, I'm there. I try. I do this. I do that. What are they doing? They're trying to justify themselves. They're, they're bragging on themselves. So they're like, here's what I've done. That is evidence immediately to me that they've not actually been saved. They don't actually know the Lord. Because when you actually know the Lord, you don't try to justify your life. You brag on Jesus. You, you know what I'm convinced of? What? Yeah, I was waiting for the what. <laughs> Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that some of you right now who are listening to me preach, you didn't understand justification. Some of you were of the mindset, I don't care how long you've been in church, some of you are the mindset, like, I'm a pretty good guy. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm better than you know, some of these other people. I, I'm pretty confident when I die, the Lord's going to let me in. No, he ain't. Not if you're counting on yourself. So if you're like, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I was baptized, though. I don't, it doesn't matter, man. I joined the church. It doesn't matter. I, I read my Bible some. Well, congratulations. That doesn't give you this gift. Because this is a gift. You don't earn a gift. It has to be given. And check this out. I bought, I bought God wants to give that to some of y'all this morning. So let's, let's do this. We're, we're going to do something a little different. I just want you to bow your head close your eyes with me. This isn't the invitation fully, but here's what I'm compelled to do. Some of you right now just need to give your heart to Jesus. Just pray. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I've been trying to count on myself for my salvation. But I see now clearly that I cannot. 
So today I'm turning from my sin and placing my trust in you, Jesus. Thank you for your death for me. Thank you for your resurrection. Now help me to follow you. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. If you say, Levi, man, that was me. I just gave my heart to Jesus. Then listen, I want to just encourage you in this time of prayer. So if you say, Levi, that was me, I'm not going to ask you to get up or come or do anything, but I just want to ask you to look at me. If you say, Levi, I just prayed with you and gave my life to Jesus. Sir, are you looking at me? Shake your head at me. Just continue to look, continue to look. Takes me a minute to get all the way through. Look hard at me. Ma'am, are you looking at me back there? God bless you. And Father, I'm thankful for these who've given their heart to you this morning. I pray that you would give us courage to share this message with others. People need to know you, and we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all ready to get off the bus? Say amen. I got to go quick, man. Y'all are taking way too long on this message. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a gospel skill now. Whenever you came in, you got these two little business cards. I want you to take one of the business cards out and fill it out as we go through this deal. What I want to do is share with you how to share Jesus using one verse of Scripture in a matter of about three minutes solid. All right? So the verse is Romans 6, 23. You can see it on the top of your card. And that Scripture says, let's all read it together. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when you're sharing the gospel, the first thing that you have to do is share with somebody that they are separated from God. That's why you got two of those little uh, boxes there. That first box on the left, you just draw the person. That person, I think, is already drawn for you on your card. And then on the second level of boxes is God. So there's a huge chasm between us and God. And yet we want to know God. We want to spend eternity with God forever. All right, so what you do whenever you're sharing this verse, and it's only one verse, is you just go through some of these major words. For the wages, you want to jot that down in that box right under you. The word wages, it just simply speaks of uh, what you earned. All right, wages. It's like your payment. So what are you getting paid for? The wages of? Somebody said out loud. Yeah, sin. All right, so sin is doing things that are contrary to God's divine law. So if you want to carry somebody through something like that, you can just ask them. You know, God's law says you shouldn't tell a lie. You ever told a lie before? I'm going to ask y'all. Y'all ever told a lie before? Yeah, what does that make you? Yeah, you're a liar. Don't just say sinner. You're a liar is what you are. The wages of sin is death. You want to put that down right here on this box. And death doesn't just describe physical death, it describes spiritual death as well. So for the payment of your sin, all your hard work of sinning, you get a paycheck, and that paycheck is death. That represents the fact that you spend eternity in hell separated from God as a result of your sin. All right, and that's what the Bible teaches, that's what Jesus teaches. And whenever you share the gospel of Christ, don't be afraid to bring up hell. All right? Uh, it's amazing how people won't say hell. I mean, it's real. Are y'all down? I mean, it is. If we believe heaven's real, why wouldn't we believe hell is real? Hell's a real place. A lot of people are going there. We're trying to help them. So there's this huge separation. The wages of sin is death, which ends up being hell. But the free gift, now check this out, gift, what is a gift? Well, it's, you don't earn that. It's something that's freely given to you. The gift, who's given this gift? Yeah, the gift of God is what? Somebody say it out loud. 
eternal life. Now, I'm kind of down with that gift. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's the opposite of eternal death. Eternal life is a relationship with God. Now, there's still this huge breach between us and God, and our sin is, is really, we, we should be paid for that. We should get death and hell. But God gave us a free gift of eternal life, the Bible says, in Jesus Christ our Lord. So whenever you're sharing this, you know what you're doing? Now you're just showing how the gap has been bridged by Jesus. I just draw a cross here. Did y'all see how that? Well, that's more of a plus sign, but you get the point, right? And then I just draw or write the word Christ right there. Clear as day. Christ gives us now the opportunity to have a relationship with God. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is the one who died to pay for the penalty of our sin, which was death. When I share this with somebody, it's so simple, man. I'm like, does that make sense to you? They're like, well, yeah, that does make sense. Well, the Bible says if you want to receive this gift, you've got to turn from your sin, you've got to place your trust in Jesus. And in my mind, I always have two T's. All right, T's. When I get towards the end of this, two T's. Well, first one is turn. The second T is trust. You're turning from sin. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. That gives you a relationship with God and also gives you an opportunity to receive that gift of eternal life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. It's just one verse, man. Now, the reason I gave you two of those little cards is because I wanted you to fill out one. The second one, I want you to actually go and share it with somebody. This week. Now, here's the thing, all right? Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, how in the world am I going to get into a conversation about this? This week, here's how. Y'all ready for it? Are y'all ready for it? Super simple. You're just going to go up to somebody. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe somebody in your neighborhood and just say, hey, man, listen, I go to Concord and our preacher's nuts. He's asked us, really challenged us to do something. It won't take me but three minutes. Can I do this with you? Well, yeah, go right ahead. You're in a gospel conversation. Are y'all listening? Now, I know what's going to happen. You're going to leave here and be like, whatever, man, I ain't doing that. Well, okay then, just miss it. But some of you who are truly saved are like, you know what, I need to be a part of this because the Bible says I'm a fisher of men. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm a witness for Jesus. The Bible says that we are to go and make disciples. What, what are we supposed to do? All right, so, so when we're, we're called to, check this out, go out into the world and make disciples. Y'all with me? So we're called to... We're called to... Because here's the amazing thing. I think we got it all backwards. You know what we think our mission is? Come and hear a preacher. That's not a mission. It's not come and see. It's go and tell. When we leave here, we're supposed to Y'all are, y'all are good. Right here in the center ain't getting it. There you go. It, listen, if you're not doing that, I'm not real sure what you're doing. I'm really not. Some of you have been in church all your life and you had not shared Jesus with one person. You sure you're following Jesus? Because right, I'm not real sure who you're following if you're not talking about him to others. Since that's what he said, you follow me and I'll make you a Fisher of men. Can I do it one more time? 
I kind of did the delayed go on that one. That's what we're supposed to do. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us to go. And Lord, we know this is our call. We're a part of this awesome missions movement. We don't want to miss it. God, I thank you for this church and the faithfulness of so many to share Jesus. But God, I want to see that increased. And Lord, only you can do that in the lives of other people. So do it by the power of your Holy Spirit. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart today and you gave your life to him, the first step of obedience is baptism. We're celebrating that in our next service. would love to set you up an opportunity to be baptized in the days ahead. So if you gave your heart to Christ and that was the real deal, I'll be here in the front during this song. And uh, you just leave the place where you've been seated. Come forward. We want to pray for you, help you along in your walk with Christ. Or God may be calling you to join this church body. If that's the case, you'd be obedient to him as well this morning. Father, the invitation is always is yours. I trust that you'll work in our midst, and that's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing, you come this morning if God's calling you.